What's doing, everybody? Today is Thursday, December 14th. Senator Bill Haggerty joins me on the podcast. We're going to talk about the out-of-control Trump derangement syndrome, the open border, and so much more. Plus, LeBron James draws a foul with patriotic Americans, and the House votes to formalize its impeachment inquiry into crooked President Joe Biden. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lay Show. The future is family. Welcome, everybody, to The Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching the broadcast live here on Rumble, please hit that share button. Get down there, tap the like, follow the channel, leave a comment, get involved any way that you can. I know that a lot of you guys were tuned in on Tuesday's podcast. I was here uh, with Congressman Brian Babin. We had a little bit of an interruption there. Rumble went down, as it constantly seems to be doing right now with all these uh, hackers or what have you that are trying to take Rumble down, the platform that is allowing free speech. We're seeing the blowback against Rumble, against X with Elon Musk. So uh, I know there was a little bit of an interruption. You can go back and watch the full episode here on Rumble. If you flip it back, if you missed out on any of it uh, with Brian Babin, we talked to the congressman. We talked all about uh, his new law to try to outlaw birthright citizenship for illegal aliens. So great conversation. If you missed it, you can catch the full entire episode from Tuesday on Apple Podcast or Spotify. As again, I said, we ran into a little bit of a problem there. Hopefully the servers all stay up uh, today. I have Senator Bill Haggerty of Tennessee joining me here on the podcast. He just wrote an amazing op-ed in the Washington Times. I highly recommend you check it out. We're going to talk about that and so much more. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to touch on before I brought the senator on was this uh, LeBron James was trending the other day because, you know, we're still seeing this continuation of disrespecting the national anthem. We know it was big in 2020, uh, which ended up, you know, let's be honest here, they were all doing it with the Black Lives Matter shirts. Uh, they were all, all the leagues were all on board. They allowed this. They thought this was a great thing. Oh, we're speaking up. And the whole thing turned out to be, number one, fraudulent because of the cases that they were doing it for. Number one, uh, George Floyd, the whole thing was a farce, right? The guy died of a drug overdose. That's the facts. Uh, and, and, and all these other incidents, they make it sound like, oh, you can't walk around while you're black in America. You'll be shot for no reason. All false lies based on nothing other than just pure racism. And so the Black Lives Matter people bilked all of these Americans out of their money. They took all their money and they ran right to the hills, bought mansions, didn't help a single black community whatsoever with the money. Uh, they, they, made, they got rich and fat in their purse while everybody else was thinking they were doing the right thing. Everybody virtue signaled that LeBron James was no different. Obviously, Colin Kaepernick uh, was the one that led the charge with the kneeling for the flag. Uh, and, and of course... LeBron James now, you know, it was a tragic, I don't want to say tragic because his son is okay now, but it's it was a sad thing that happened to his son that had a cardiac arrest while he was practicing with the team or playing with the team at USC. He, you know, who knows if he was ever going to play another game again. This is his first game playing since he had that heart attack. So LeBron James obviously coming to the re- The story is about his son, Bronny. The kid's coming back from having a heart attack. It's a great feel-good story to see him back on the court. Obviously, it's a big emotional day for LeBron James and his family to see him back out there playing basketball. But what becomes the headline now? 
the main headline becomes LeBron James disrespecting the national anthem. And here's the video here of him walking into the arena while the national anthem is being sung. And he's totally not paying attention. He sits down. He has his hat on, shows zero respect for the flag, uh, for the flag, for the national anthem. So, of course, this pisses off a lot of Patriots, myself included. You don't like to see the, the, the national anthem being disrespected like this. And LeBron James, the fact, too, he's walking in with his daughter to his son's game. He's disrespecting, number one, his son. And he's teaching his daughter that it's okay to disrespect the national anthem, that this is a good, this is okay to do because it doesn't mean anything. Uh, we, we don't have to do this, right? And so, number one, again, he takes the spotlight away from his son, puts it all on himself. He could have just stood the attention, wait for the national anthem is over, walk to his seat, and none of this would have had to happen. But no, he can't do that because he has to show and make a point of how much he, he doesn't care about this country. It's important that everyone knows that he hates America. And so the whole story was about LeBron James and disrespecting that. Now, of course, why? Now, when you tweet about this or put it out on X, everyone blasts you. Oh, the song is racist. They always refer to the third verse of the Star Spangled Banner, which has never been sung by anybody anywhere. But it's in the original uh, writings of of, uh, Francis Scott Key. They point to it. Oh, and now, again, scholars debate all the time on what he meant by the verse that's in the third verse. Uh, by, by the phrase that's in the third verse, again, which nobody sings at any time whatsoever. But they want to say, oh, look, th- th- this is why we, you know, this song is disrespectful. LeBron James, number one, has no problem playing in the NBA, which the NBA, when it began, didn't allow black players to play in the league. He's willing to overlook the past, the history of the NBA, and take their money. But he's not willing to overlook the past of the United States, which corrected its way all the way throughout history, just like the NBA has, right? Just like all the leagues did, just like everybody that went through this entire thing in history. So LeBron James is willing to forgive the NBA because he takes all their money, but he's not willing to forgive the American, uh, the, the, uh, America, which he hates. He doesn't want to stand and honor the national anthem for a country which traded away the merchant of death so that a black woman could come home safely. And LeBron might want to have a conversation with Brittany Griner and find out exactly why she decides now to stand for the national anthem. Because LeBron James would quickly find out that if he was in one of these other countries and in harm's way, he would be doing anything in the world and begging the United States to come and help him, just like Brittany Griner did. And it changes your perspective, gives you a whole new look on life about the country that has made you a multi-billionaire, giving you the opportunity that so few have all around the world, where it's only possible here in America. But he's willing to overlook all that. It's, oh, there's this one racist part of the song that nobody has ever sung. Gu- guaranteed 90% of Americans have no idea that there's even more words to the Star Spangled Banner than what is sung. I would, I would also argue that the majority of Americans, a high majority, couldn't tell you all the words in the Star Spangled Banner, the part that we do sing. All right. So they, they point this out just to say, oh, this is the reason why it's OK for us to disrespect and dishonor the national anthem. And I, I, I don't agree. I think like when I had uh, Larry Elder on the podcast a while back, a few months ago, he talked about how LeBron James, you know, it could make a real big impact and difference in the African-American community, in the black community, because he is a good father. He is a family man. He's a guy that has a successful marriage. He's a guy that you never hear any scandals, any issues with him, uh, with other women, with, with any problems whatsoever. He's a present father. He's a good dad. This is what should be highlighted about LeBron James. 
not the fact that that now he's choosing to disrespect and dishonor the national anthem. And I know everyone, uh, of course, everyone goes right. Oh, it's your right to do it. Yes, it is your right to do it. But you also, when you do that, you you get the right to have the consequences that come along with that. And you piss off a lot of patriotic American people. A lot of people died. A lot of people have people that died for that flag, that died for that national anthem. So when you disrespect it, you're pissing off a lot of people. And why do it? What, what is the reason for it? You saw that you got suckered into the whole Black Lives Matter movement, put the T-shirt on, ran with the ball in the cult, because Black Lives Matter was a cult. That's what it was. And everybody that donated to it took part in drinking the Kool-Aid of that cult. They were conned out of their money. Give your money over to these people so they could buy stuff for themselves. And you bought into it under the guise of you're doing the right thing for the, for the black people. And you didn't. You didn't do a damn thing to help them. All you did was make a few people fat in the wallet. That's all you did. You were suckered into it and you became part of this cult following. So many people got suckered into it. The NFL had it all in their Black Lives Matter in the end zones. They don't have that anymore. They switched it all now. All the leagues abandoned the Black Lives Matter because they, they all figured out they got scammed. They got conned. They took part in this cult that was out there for, for, a, for a number of years. And so LeBron James was one of them. What else? LeBron James, this is a guy that has this I promise school, right? Trying to do good for the community. He's putting out, uh, t- together a school for the kids. The kids that go to this school haven't passed a math test in three years. Three years. So saying, oh, you know, shouldn't he be more, a little bit, how about focus on that? But you know what they probably learned in the I promise school? To hate America. They probably learned that they don't have to, they don't have to honor the national flag. Right. The national anthem. This is probably what they're learning in the side promise. I can't speak to it because I, you know, obviously it's not a place you want to send your kid to go to school because they can't seem to pass one single math test. How is that even possible in three years? Not one kid passes a math test. But you know what did happen at the LeBron James school? One kid was murdered right in front of the LeBron James. I promise school murdered. So how many murders have been at LeBron James's school? One. How many math tests have been passed? Zero. What does that mean? Your child has a better chance of being murdered at the LeBron James. I promise school than passing a math test. That's how out of control that is. So not happy with LeBron James. Many people were calling him out on this and rightfully so. I think it's a disgrace to do that. And there's no reason for it. Again, you're, you're taking away from your son's big moment, and you're also walking in with your daughter and teaching by your example that we do not respect the national anthem of this country. The one that has given you everything that you have. When you go home to the mansion and you have the rides home, the, uh, the, uh, America provided this for you, gave you this opportunity. Many people died so that you have the right to do what you're doing and disrespecting the flag. Why not honor them? Why not honor the people, the the hundreds of thousands of people in this country that died to free the slaves? Why not honor them? We can't do that because it's all about you. It's all about LeBron. It's all about him making a statement that he doesn't even know what he's doing. This guy has no idea why he's even disrespecting the national anthem. Just like he does with the phoniness with the books. He's holding Malcolm X's book on, on page one. Oh, uh, he doesn't even know what to say about it. He has no idea. So many people are filling this guy's head up with nonsense and trying to pull him in political direction. You wish that these people would be more like, uh, uh, like Elvis Presley, who stayed out of politics completely. That's not my place. Right. But these athletes today, these entertainers today, we see it with the Robert De Niro's and everybody's everybody's got a political opinion. You're an entertainer. We pay money to go and see you act. We pay money to go see you perform. We pay money to go see you play a sport. We don't pay money to go and see your political opinion. That's not what we do. Right. During the 60s and 70s, you had that one. Muhammad Ali. He had to shoot his mouth off about politics left and right. You had a guy like Elvis Presley who decided, you know what? 
I'm an entertainer. That's not what I'm here to do. And I wish that so many more people would do it, that would take that road. We don't need politics in our sports. We don't need it in our entertainment. That's not what it's there for. So shame on LeBron James. I think it was a classless move, but this is something he's known for. Uh, he, he could care less about the country until he's in need, right? He's, he's loyal to China. He'll do anything for China. Meanwhile, the, the Chinese people are barbaric over there, but he doesn't care about any of that. None of that matters. What matters is the almighty dollar. That's LeBron James's God. That's it. So shame on LeBron James. Uh, that, I just wanted to get that out there. And of course, all the people, I know it's, it, it seems like it's not okay to love this country anymore. Even the fact that right now the country is in a lot of trouble with this Joe Biden administration that's been at the helm for three years. And I hope and pray that we can survive his fourth term. Can we make it to 2025 is going to be the question. And one of the other things too, is this Trump derangement syndrome that is completely out of control. And we're going to talk to Senator Bill Haggerty, who's coming into the Zoom room right now. And Senator Haggerty has got a new op-ed out today in the Washington Times. I highly recommend you read it. I'm going to link it down below on Rumble here. I'll also put it on uh, whatever you're watching, Apple or Spotify. I'll put the link to his op-ed down below. But I also wanted to share this to you because this Trump derangement syndrome is so out of control. And I had one of my friends, I'll put this on the board, who, who texted me the other day asking what in the world is going on with people. And this was the post that they put on Facebook. I believe those people who vote Trump for a second term actually believe they will be immune from his dictatorial, autocratic behavior that he is actually preaching out loud. We need to take it for his word. So for those of you who vote for him, don't be surprised when he comes after you. We all know the only person he cares about is himself, right? And, and my friend uh, sent this to me and commented, this is from a friend whom I grew up with in New York City. He's been in Florida for 30 years. It burns me that people, educated people, think this way. Am I missing something? We are dying under democratic rule, and he's not the only one that thinks everything is okay. And this is the type of, like, rational people are wondering, like, you see educated people, people you know your whole life. It's just kind of like the way we went through with the pandemic. It's very similar to that. You saw rational thinking people act absolutely out of their minds during the pandemic. Same thing with Donald Trump. People you've known your whole life, all of a sudden, they are enraged by Donald Trump. The very fact that you even mention his name drives them crazy. They start seething, foaming at the mouth. And it is mind-boggling how this Trump derangement syndrome got so out of hand and it affects so many people. I mean, we see it constantly. So uh, Senator Bill Haggerty wrote an op-ed about this, so I highly recommend. We're going to touch on that. We'll touch on the open border and so many more. Israel-Hamas war, quite a few things. Anything to ask the senator, anything you'd like to know, hit it down in the comments down below or hit the live chat. Let's get some discussion going. Let me know what you think about the interview here. And let's bring on Senator Bill Haggerty of Tennessee. Do this here. All right, joining me now, Senator Bill Haggerty. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. It's great to be with you, Alec. Thank you for hosting today. Well, it's an honor to have you here. You know, just Tuesday on the podcast here, I was talking about how uh, so many people on the left would rather see the whole world explode rather than see Donald Trump get back into the White House. They'd rather nuclear holocaust take place than ever see him back. And, and you put this beautifully in the op-ed you had uh, in the Washington Times on Tuesday where Liz Cheney and others, you say, have a pathological hatred of Trump and she would rather cede power to the Democrats than elect Trump. Those are her words, not mine. Right. And um, it, it's just I, I think that's just indicative. The position that she's adopted is indicative uh, of a permanent class here in Washington that don't like the disruptive nature of Donald Trump. Uh, he upended their world. They didn't believe it could happen. He's proven time and again 
that things could be done differently, more effectively, and deliver real results. No one thought the Abraham Accords could work. They did. No one thought that we'd be able to turn the United States of America into a net energy exporter. We did. If you think about the fact that our economy, our GDP was growing at twice the rate of any other major economy in the world under his presidency, we did that. The magic wand that uh, Obama talked about, well, Trump had it. So, you know, it's just a, it's just amazing to see when someone comes in and deploys, you know, solid, sound business principles, uh, thinks like a business person, negotiates like a business person and keeps America's interest at the fore. The results can be dramatically positive for the country. And I think that really did upend a lot of the institutional class here that continues to sort of move along at incremental pace here in Washington. And they didn't like the approach that Trump took. It was too disruptive for them. Uh, that lack of comfort, that discomfort that it inflicted upon them, though, turned out to be amazing for America. Yeah. And, and the thing is, too, it's, it's the people that we need to see the results. And it's like they're so focused on his character. And here you write in the piece, most Americans who have to worry about the declining wages, gas prices, surging violent crime and fentanyl overdoses don't have the luxury of ignoring what the president actually does and how it affects their lives. They can't afford to focus on tweets and trivialities instead of safety and prosperity. So when it comes down to the people of America, his policies helped all of us right here. They helped us in the purse. They helped us at the pump. But now it's like we're, they're so focused on the hatred of him. They're blinded by the fact that what this guy did got results. And now we've seen what Biden has done the last three years. And it's been detrimental to so many families in America. Yet they're still saying, oh, we'd still rather have this and live in this chaos than go back to President Trump. You know, th this is Biden's dystopia that we're talking about. And the media spin it time and again, Alec, as though there's nothing wrong. There's nothing to see here. And they continue to focus on Donald Trump and, again, creating this boogeyman that, uh, frankly, doesn't exist. I worked in his administration. We were succeeding every single day, advancing America's interest around the world. Our allies were stronger for it. Certainly, our economy and our nation was stronger for it. And what we've seen is Joe Biden come in and essentially dismantle our strength all around the globe. He started on day one of his administration when he came in and collapsed our southern border, decided to wage war on the American energy industry, and with a bunch of executive orders, took all federal lands off the map for, for drilling here. That's a quarter of our capacity, made it next to impossible to get new permits. Uh, every message that he sent to the marketplace had the net result of increasing the price of energy all around the world. Vladimir Putin benefited from that dramatically. He's now selling more oil. Putin is selling more oil today. He sold more oil in 2022 than he did in 2021 at a $60 a barrel price cap. His economy thrives at $60 a barrel. Trump would have never allowed this to happen. Frankly, we wouldn't have been in this situation because Afghanistan wouldn't have fallen. All of the things that have happened under the Biden administration that precipitated the Ukraine war would definitely not be happening under President Trump. Likewise, Middle East, Iran. We implemented the maximum pressure campaign there. We had their foreign reserve coffers down to below $8 billion by 2020. I was involved in imposing the sanctions that made that happen. I got the Japanese to stop buying Iranian crude when I served as U.S. ambassador to Japan under President Trump. It worked. Iran was going broke. Hamas and Hezbollah were widely reported as being broke. As soon as Joe Biden comes in and starts trying to appease Iran and get them to come back into this failed Iran deal, the money starts flowing. We see the 11-day war coming out of Gaza in May of 2021. It's all very predictable. Biden seems to take the wrong move every single time, and he's creating you know, havoc all over the globe for us.
Yeah. And meanwhile, like you said, they keep disguising it in the media and on social media as if everything is looking good, all foreign and domestic, and it's all falling apart. There's never been a more clear uh, you know, answer to the question of, are you better off now than you were four years ago? When you look at everything, every aspect of your life just here in the country and then abroad, there's no way you could say we're in a better place now than we were than when Trump was in there. So, uh, And I want to focus on, obviously, uh, one of these things, You know, obviously the open border uh, is crushing. I, I do recall, Senator, when uh, Donald Trump was president, they, Time magazine put a cover out of him which was false standing over a little girl who was crying saying trump's separating people at the border kids are being left alone at the border and it was all nonsense now you're having unaccompanied minors coming at an alarming rate through the border here and i know you're on board here uh, with rewriting the health and human services policy but right now you've got tons of unaccompanied children coming across sexually being abused put into human trafficking and it's an epidemic now it, 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 it totally is, Alec. And I, I love the way you phrase it. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? That's true on every dimension. You're, you're absolutely right. And if you look at our border, it's an absolute humanitarian crisis. They tried to complain about Trump's non-humanitarian or inhumane uh, treatment of people at the border, separating folks. Look, a lot of these cartels are using children just as a, as a ticket to get into America. Many of them are not the children of the people that they're bringing, that they're coming across the border with. They're using these children. And we need to stop that. Many of the photos that were shown during the Trump administration were Obama era photos. I mean, it was so disingenuous. And to see what's happening right now is an absolute catastrophe. I've been to the border multiple times. The Biden administration won't go there. Uh, Certainly my colleagues in the Senate will not go to the border. Uh, It's just shocking to me that they want to look the other way because what you see is malaise and destruction at that border. You meet young girls, you know something horrible has happened to them when you meet them at that border. I flew down to Guatemala and met with the president of Guatemala in April or May of 2021, shortly after Biden had collapsed the border. He spent an hour and a half basically screaming at me, saying that we had precipitated a national security crisis in his country because we collapsed our border. He has people marching through his country. He has no idea who they are. Can't control it. He said the the root cause, if you will, of the problem are the messages coming out of this White House because the White House is telling people they're going to treat them better. And Joe Biden basically invited them to come in. They come in with Biden T-shirts. They cheer him on the way in. What he said was that the cartels are using these messages and marketing them to the most vulnerable people in his country. Families are giving their entire life savings to these coyotes. They're giving them their most promising child and putting that child on a very dangerous journey. He said, you're destroying nuclear families. You're taking my best talent and people are losing their life savings to put them on a journey that is going to be very dangerous. Terrible things happen to the kids. They get involved in drug trafficking or other things even worse. They may die in the, uh, you know, on, on the way. Uh, it is destabilizing the entirety of Latin America. And Joe Biden is doing this and the media are looking the other way. Yeah, and they're doing it by design. It just seems like they're purposely destroying the country. But it's almost like if you're a plumber in a house and there's a leak in the pipe and everyone's just standing around while it's gushing out, talking for hours and hours on end, and no one's actually saying, hey, let's stop the pipe from leaking here before we figure out what to do. Nobody seems to want to be in a hurry to do that. Meanwhile, thousands are pouring in every day. How is this border? Now, every time I talk to a senator or congressman from different states, I ask them, and usually the reply is every state is a border state with this thing going on. So how is this open border affecting Tennesseans? Well, we've got fentanyl deaths that are at an all-time high. We're having overdoses in Tennessee. Two to 3,000 children will die this year because of the illicit drugs that are coming across that border. And the cartels are moving into our state. They're marketing these drugs all across the state. When I talk with law enforcement, they basically tell me that you could empty the jails for at least 90% if you could get drugs out of the state of Tennessee. This is happening all over the nation. But one thing you've got to ask yourself, Alec, is why? 
Why is the Biden administration doing it? When you think about the national security crisis that we created, just since October, they've apprehended over 150 different nationalities at our border. We don't know who's coming into our country. We know people on the terrorist watch list are coming into our country because we've apprehended some of them. But we don't know who's here. We certainly don't know if they have our best interest at heart, and I think a number of them don't. You think about the fentanyl that's coming across the border and killing our kids, and you think about what's happening to these people, how dangerous the travel is. 10,000 a day, 12,000 a day, people are losing their lives every single day at that border. And this is just no way it's a humanitarian uh, move by the Biden administration is for something else. And you know, I think some of our some of our viewers may remember from school Occam's razor. That is usually the most straightforward, the most simple explanation is the right one. Well, let me tell you the only explanation that I can give you for this. Why are the Democrats doing this? Well, blue states are losing populations to red states like Tennessee. They're marching out of these blue states and blue congressional districts in droves because they hate the policies. As these people come across the border illegally. Where are they disproportionately likely to go? To those sanctuary cities that have said they're not going to enforce the immigration laws. Doesn't that make sense? This is an effort to repopulate these cities because congressional districts are based on the number of people, not citizens in a given state, the number of people. This is about power at the end of the day, Alec. And if you look at congressional district, that is also how you derive the number of electoral votes coming from a given state. They're trying to shore up people that are fleeing their states they're trying to stand on power. They're trying to gain power. That is what this is about. Again, that's the simplest explanation I can give you. Uh, I can't come up with a more logical explanation for why they would be willing to subject our nation to this sort of national security crisis, this sort of health crisis, and this sort of humanitarian crisis that we're experiencing right now. Man, scary stuff. Scary stuff. Well said, Senator. And it is, you know, and it's like, you know, we always hear the Democrats, you know, talking about their policies, talking about they're for the minorities. We see we but we actually have the proof and we can see what their policies result in. It's not like we don't have anywhere to look and see. We can look at these democratically controlled cities that have been democratically controlled for decades and see what the results have led to. Yet there's not one place, the one shining spot they could say, here, look at this city right here. This is exactly how our policies help Americans. There is no like golden city they could point to. There's no example of it. All we see is, is just destruction everywhere to go. And like you said, everyone's moving out of these cities. New York is one. You, and it's the taxpayers that are leaving. California, it's the taxpayers that are all leaving. So I, I don't understand. And you say they're going to fill this vacuum with these illegal immigrants. I still don't see how that helps them sustain the, these cities over a long period of time when you don't have anybody coming in that's actually paying the taxes. It just seems like, and now you see the mayors of these cities like Chicago with Johnson, New York with Adams. They're like, I don't know what to do. They want to do anything with these illegal illegal immigrants other than tell Joe Biden to close the border. They want to try everything else other than say, hey, maybe that's the problem. And, and it's just, it's so hard to comprehend. I know they're, they're, they're choking on their own solution here. Uh, these mayors are feeling the immediate brunt of it. These cities, if you look at the crime rates in these cities, Washington, D.C., where I am right now, crime is through the roof here. And what's the response? The city wants to lower the penalties on major felonies. I mean, it, it, it's amazing how these cities are behaving and how they're performing. And what people are doing, those who can, and I think you hit the nail on the head, Alec, those who can leave, those who the Democrats claim to be the champions for, suffer even more. Because what happens? Infrastructure fails. Infrastructure crumbles. The police are completely demotivated. You've got these DAs that have been funded by the open society, whatever George Soros's group is called, um, that are coming in and basically not prosecuting crime. It's demoralizing the police. It's basically creating havoc in all of these cities. Crime is through the roof. And those who can are leaving. 
those that can't are suffering. And that's what the Biden administration can take credit for. Yeah, you talk about the crime going up in Washington, D.C. The car thefts are so bad, they're stealing the Secret Service cars, these guys. these guys. It's like, it's that's out of control. Chicago, same thing. Yet the mayor of Chicago is blaming the auto industry. Oh, it's your fault. The manufacturer, they're suing the car companies for making it too easy to steal the cars instead of locking up the criminals. Let, let me shift gears here, Senator, if I could, because another thing I just want to get to here is the uh, Israel-Hamas war that's going yeah. on. And the reaction to this has been really uh, another thing that's crazy. Obviously, we've seen uh, with these Ivy League schools that, that are, uh, you know, all, all on board with being able to be pro Hamas and call for the death of Israel. But I, I just think the coverage of these two things, we just saw Zelensky in town here uh, begging for more money. He needs us to fill up the coffers. He, we, hey, don't even worry about paying for anything else. Uh, don't fix your roads. Give us all the money that you have. And so the way that this is covered, if you could, could contrast these two, the way that we're seeing it, Israel Hamas war and the Ukraine Russia war. Do you notice a big difference in the coverage of these two? Listen, um, you, you've got an amazing situation that's un- unfolding here with Hamas and Israel. And we're not treating Ukraine the same way. You've got the Democrats saying we've got to put conditions on any aid that goes into Israel. Well, they're coming to us and basically saying, we want you to pass this massive blank check package to Ukraine, give them anything that they want uh, with no checks and balances on, or at least not that we've been able to see and discern. We can't even get them to tell us clearly what military equipment has arrived there yet. If they continue to come back to the well, I think that uh, President Zelensky got a pretty clear message yesterday from Republicans, though. This overall bill that has you know, Israel aid in it, it's got Ukraine aid in it, it's got aid for the Asia Pacific in it in terms of national security. That's what they're billing it. None of this is as important and critical to us as the national security of our own nation. And until we deal with the crisis at our southern border, that national security crisis is the gravest national security crisis facing America. We're going to deal with that before we find ourselves focusing on other nations. Zelensky left here, I think, fairly disappointed because it was very clear that we're focused on addressing our own domestic national security crisis first. And I think he understood it. Probably not what he wanted to hear. I can tell you it's not what Chuck Schumer wanted to hear, but that's the message that came through loud and clear. Yeah, and amen to that. Shouldn't we be worried about taking care and securing our own border before we secure the border of Ukraine, before we're spending all kinds of money on foreign nations? And I just think that's to every the average American, that's easy to understand and to comprehend. And I yeah. want to you 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 um uh mentioned Iran earlier there when we were talking, but how big is the threat of Iran here? How much more powerful has Iran become under the Biden regime here? And what is the big threat? Because it seems like we talk about Hamas. Hamas it, it, they're not getting the money themselves, they're not creating it here, they're being funded, and it's it's more most likely, we keep saying from Iran. How much of a threat is Iran here getting nuclear power? And, and what is their threat to the world? So I've got to take you back in time on this one, Alec, to put it into context. You remember back at the end of the Obama administration, the pallets of cash that were delivered to Iran. This was all in an effort to appease them and to get them to come into this failed nuclear agreement. The Israelis proved that the Iranians never abided by the agreement. Jack Lew, who is now going to be the ambassador of the United States to Israel, what an insult. He was out touting this agreement as one that would allow us to have very invasive inspections of the nuclear uh, program there in Iran. Absolutely untrue. Uh, Iran continued their nuclear program. What we did was deliver more cash to them. And what happened there, we had, you know, very, you know, a, a very unsettled situation in the Middle East, you know, 2014, 2015, going into the end of the Obama administration. President Trump comes in, tears up that deal and implements the maximum pressure campaign. What does that mean? It means people like me, I was serving as U.S. ambassador to Japan. I had to go to the prime minister of Japan and say, you've got a choice. 
You can deal with Iran. You can deal with America. But you cannot deal with us both. You have to stop buying Iranian crude oil. The prime minister reminded me that Japan had fought a world war over access to energy. It was a tough decision, but he made the right decision and stopped buying Iranian crude. That happened around the world. We took Iran's foreign currency reserves down to below $8 billion, which is a lot of money. But when you're trying to run a country that size, they were practically broke. It was widely reported in 2019 and 2020 that Hamas and Hezbollah were broke. We weren't seeing any violence coming out of the region. Joe Biden comes into office in January 2021. What happens? They immediately stop enforcing the sanctions on Iran. By May of 2021, we have the 11-day war coming out of Gaza into Israel. Now what you've seen is Iran funding its proxies, Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, launching rockets all over the region, destabilizing the region. This is all Iranian proxies. And if you look at what the technology is, it's Iranian technology, it's Iranian know-how, and it's Iranian funding that's behind all of this. Again, Joe Biden finds himself on both sides of the war. And we're sending aid into Gaza right now. The Secretary of State, under direct questioning from me, could not tell me whether the aid that we've sent might have been diverted by Hamas and used against Israel in the October 7th attack. Couldn't tell me. The Trump administration stopped all aid going into Gaza because they knew Hamas was skimming that aid. Every dollar that goes into Gaza is taxed, it's redirected, it's diverted by Hamas. When I went over after the 11-day war to meet with the prime minister and his national security team, they showed me how pipes that were being sent into Gaza for clean water were being taken by Hamas and converted into rockets and sent right back into Israel. That's what's happening. And the United States finds itself yet again funding both sides of the war in the Middle East, just like with the increase in energy prices, we've essentially funded both sides of the war in Ukraine. Yeah, and they control, obviously, the flow of the supplies that are coming in. These are the people that were voted and elected to, to, to be the representatives of Palestine. So they're controlling all the supplies over there. And to think that the that the humanitarian aid is all going where it's supposed to go, I think would be completely naive to, to believe that. And it's just, you're right, it just seems like the entire region now, uh, I wish we could get back to it, but it's another one of these things, just like the border. It seems like they're doing it on purpose and on design. And it, I, I can't comprehend why they hate, you know, number one, America so much. And number two, why would they allow I, Iran to gain this much power again it's just it's so frustrating to see and uh let me just quit real quick before i get you out of here i want to switch real quick to the to the bidenomics because we were hearing about the bidenomics uh we constantly see him uh touting about it on social media a little bit more quiet about it lately but he's still he's still putting out those tweets i always phrase it as bidenomics in the in the tweets looks a lot different than bidenomics in the streets because families are really struggling out here how is the bidenomics and biden inflation affecting tennesseans especially this christmas time is christmas season well, Alec, I love the way you just phrased it there. Bidenomics in the tweets is a lot different from the way it is in the streets. It's certainly a lot different from the way it is in Tennessee, because Tennesseans have seen inflation erode their earnings. Inflation has grown much more than their, their wages have grown. So Tennesseans are poorer today than they were before Joe Biden took office. And if you think about the Tennesseans, we build things in Tennessee. We manufacture things in Tennessee. The cost of a number of things, if we can get them, have gone through the roof. Joe Biden has had a material impact on destabilizing a lot of the transit costs across America. Tennessee is a big transit state, a big logistics state. You think about it. FedEx is headquartered there. We have UPS headquartered just north of us in, in Kentucky. We have trucking is a huge industry in our state. Rail, water, all there. And transit costs have gone through the roof because energy costs have gone through the roof. Joe Biden is responsible for all of this because he's waged war on domestic energy. And if you think about it from a Tennessean's perspective, 
We're worse off today, going back to what you asked, than we were four years ago, without a doubt. That's Bidenomics. Yeah, well said, Senator. And so take me in here. Obviously, we're coming at the end of the year. We're right around the corner. It comes up quick, just a few weeks away. What are the goals here for the for the U.S. Senate? What are you guys looking to accomplish right out of the gate 2024? What can we look forward to? Well, you know, what I'm hoping to accomplish first and foremost is to take the Senate back in 2024. I'm working very hard to do that. Where I'm focused right now is our ground game in the battleground states that matter. If you look at it, Democrats, well, every two years, a third of the Senate comes up. There are 100 of us, a third of us come up uh, every two years. This time, Democrats have to defend 23 seats in the 2024 elections. That's going to spread the resources then. Three of those Democrats are holding seats in red states. Joe Manchin's already seen the writing on the wall. He's not going to run again. We will take West Virginia. That that brings us back. We're 49-51 right now. That'll bring us to 50-50. We need to win either Montana or Ohio, both, again, red states. We need to win, win one of those to get control. I think we have a very good shot at winning both of those and taking it further in other states, particularly given the dissatisfaction that the American public feels with Joe Biden and the Democrats. Um, I'm going to work very, very hard to make sure that we're playing according to the set of ground rules that are in place, even though we may not like them, that we're going to be out there you know, pushing people to vote early, pushing people to vote absentee, using every mechanism possible to actually get our highest propensity voters banked early so we can then focus our messaging and our campaign on lower propensity voters that we really need to get to the polls. That's going to be my aim. I'm optimistic that 2024 is going to see a big turnaround in the United States Senate. I hope so. We're still licking our chops here from November this year, which was a big disappointment. So hopefully, you know, I'll do my part when I see Santa. I'll ask him, give us the Senate in 2024. Thank you, uh, Senator Big Bill Haggerty, it's been an honor to have you here. I'd love to have you back anytime. Thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time today so on the Merry Outpatient. Merry Christmas to you and all of our viewers. Merry Christmas. All right. Honor to have Senator Bill Haggerty join me on the podcast here. What do you guys think about the conversation? Hit me down in the live chat. Leave a comment down below. And while you're down there, hit the like button and follow the channel here on Rumble if that's where you're watching. Don't forget to share the broadcast with as many people as possible. Uh, Senator Haggerty, I, I, I couldn't agree with him more there at the beginning of what we were talking about with the Trump derangement syndrome. I just think it's uh, it's just so sad to see. And some people like obviously Liz Cheney has got it. They got a real bad case. Like the, the, I, I, my brother used to say this, like, you know, I think that if Osama bin Laden was to run for president today against Trump, he would win. Uh, or most v- Democrats would be voting for him. And it just seems like that's how bad it is. Like, people would rather see this entire country burn to the ground before they would let Donald Trump become president again. And it's just crazy what has happened to people. So obviously we're in a dangerous time here in America. We are heading for, I think, a disaster in 2024. Hopefully we can avert it. It just seems like if Trump loses, we're done and finished. With four years more of this Democratic rule will definitely torpedo this country for good. And Trump winning is going to ignite the left to do some god-awful things. We've seen what they were capable of or just the tip of the iceberg the last time he won. On his inauguration day, they were burning Washington, D.C. to the ground back in 2016. So or 2017 when he was inaugurated. All right, so the House has now voted. Last thing I'll hit you guys with here, the House has voted to formalize the impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. Again, good step in the right direction here. Too little, too late as far as I'm concerned. We should have been moving on this a long time ago. Uh, But now they're going to force the White House to comply with their investigation. They voted 221 to 212 was the vote in the House, which was great to see. Finally, seeing some unity behind something. That's every single Republican voted yes. And all Democrats that were present at the time voted no. Now, the media, of course, 
is running cover for this. Oh, they're just doing this because Trump is telling them to do it. Uh, Oh, there's nothing there. They're just making this stuff up. This guy has been in Washington, D.C. politics for 50 years, okay? Five decades this guy has been in there. He's been caught with lie after lie after lie. Proven lies. It's not like you could suggest, well, maybe he's lying. Proven lies. This is the reason why this guy had to drop out from running for president back in the 80s or 90s, right? He wasn't able to do it because he got caught with so plagiarism. Another thing on the left, right? So the media runs cover for this, like, oh, they're just doing this because they're getting back. Well, first of all, that that is a part of it as well. And, 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 and this is what they opened. It was a can of worms by doing this to President Donald Trump. This is what they started. They're the ones that they, they impeached Donald Trump over nothing. And they all knew there was nothing there, but they did it anyway. So now it's coming coming out. Biden looks like he's with corruption up to his ears. And so it's, it, it, again, it, it's like the movie Training Day. It's not what you know. It's what you can prove. Can the Republicans prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that Joe Biden was involved and profited from Hunter Biden's business dealings. Can they prove it? That's what this is all. Now, you know damn well these guys are good at covering their tracks. And they have the entire DOJ, the entire three-letter agencies, the entire media, all behind them covering and protecting them. So you better be sure. You better find out the direct connection that you need to do this. And we're going to see how this all plays out. Obviously, Hunter Biden yesterday chose not to appear for his subpoena uh, to do his deposition. Joe Biden himself, when asked about this, said uh, when it came to the Republicans, when he was asked if somebody doesn't show up for their subpoena, uh, should they be held in contempt? He said, yes, they should. Is that going to play out? Will Hunter Biden be held in contempt? Will he be arrested the way that Steve Bannon was arrested? We'll see. But it seems like there is a two tiers of justice in this country. So what will come of this? Put your take down there in the comments below. Will we see Joe Biden's impeachment go to the floor of the House? And if it does, will they vote to impeach him? Obviously, we know it's not going to get through the Senate. Uh, You just heard Senator Haggerty there tell us it's a big deal next year. There's a chance to get control of the Senate. But as of right now, uh, they are not going to be able to get it past the Senate. But at least they should be able to impeach him from the House of Representatives. So hopefully we can do that. And, uh, you know, like I said, this guy Biden has been so corrupt for so many years. And and Hunter Biden just, you know, obviously we saw Donald Trump Jr., Trump's kids have to go. And I think Trump Jr. did something like 40 hours worth of depositions that he had to do. Uh, But this guy is too good to sit down. And I think Andy Biggs said it last week. I had Congressman Andy Biggs. Uh, He pointed out the fact that he knows that if he could do the public hearing, He's going to have the Democrats there to bail him out. Uh, they can filibuster everything. And he, 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 so there's a reason why. Don't, don't think for a second there's not a rhyme to the reason of why Hunter Biden is refusing to go inside and, and do the hearing behind closed doors. There's a reason for it. And the, and the reason is this guy is guilty. This guy was a bad egg. Yes, he had addictions. I've had addictions. Many people have. Uh, that does not, and of course the story changes with his father now too. In the very beginning, it was his father had zero to do with his son's business dealings. Zero. Never had anything to do with it at all. Then it turns out, well, he did have something to do with it, but when he talked to the business partners, it was just about the weather and just about this. Now, yesterday, Hunter Biden says he had no financial business with with, with what I was doing. So the story continues to change. Hopefully the Republicans can flush this out and get a slam dunk on this thing. Uh, for everybody and give us some good momentum going into uh, Trump's election in 2024. All right, so that's everything I had for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview with Senator Bill Haggerty. 
Follow me on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, at Alec Lace. I will be dropping the guest announcements. I'm working on guest announcements. We're going to have one more show for the year here. Uh, two more shows for the year. Next week, uh, that should be it because uh, I'll give you guys, or give myself, I should say, yeah, next week is then the following week is Christmas, and the week after that is New Year's. So i got two more shows to hit you with in 2023, which has been a great year here for the Alec Lace Show. We just started the show over the summer. You guys have been great with sharing it. We're constantly being featured here on Rumble. Uh, I've been blessed to have so many great guests to join me on the podcast. If you missed out on any of them, please flip it back and take a look. You can see uh, some of the names on the board here behind me. Cash Patel, Dinesh D'Souza, Senator Josh Hawley. Uh, 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 Joe Von Pulitzer, Congressman Anna Paulina Luna, Senator Marsha Blackburn. So many, many guests have joined me here on the podcast. Uh, go through the archives of the show. You'll definitely find one you're interested in listening to. And thank you for all your support. I would only ask that you hit that like button and follow the channel here on Rumble. Okay, hopefully uh, we can keep Rumble going here because I know they keep coming under attack. But I will be back here with you guys Tuesday live, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Rumble. God bless all you listeners out there. Uh, God bless our first responders in our military. God bless the parents. God bless America. And I will catch you guys next week. Have a great weekend. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. Wow, it's so soft and smooth. It's cool to the touch. How did you do that? Well, we took my pillow's patented fill and combined it with this new technology that we didn't have back then when I invented my pillow to bring you the best pillow in history, MyPillow 2.0. Just like all of you, I never imagined that MyPillow could get any better. That's why I haven't changed it in nearly 20 years. Then I heard about a revolutionary new technology, and I knew I had to bring it to you all. MyPillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of MyPillow. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD to save 50% on the all-new MyPillow 2.0. You can also save $90 on the original MyPillow slippers. Get the luxurious Giza Dream sheets for only $29.98. And get up to 40% off on the Mattress Topper 2.0. Visit MyPillow.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD. Visit MyPillow.com. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. The future is family.